local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father James Gross joined by Father Jason Leffer. Priests of the Diocese of Fargo here in our uh, studios in the near Southside Historic District of beautiful downtown Grand Forks, which is uh, currently buried as much of our listening area is with a significant amount of snow. I'm going to have to ask some friends of mine down in the Gillette area what kind of winter they've been having because this time of year they typically make us very jealous because of their relatively balmy conditions. You know, it's amazing though, like... I'm a big solar guy following the sun and the moon and the stars, all this kind of stuff. Or but I used to be down in Lidgewood, southern border, North Dakota. Right. And I'm up in the northern border. Mm-hmm. There, You literally have four more weeks of better weather in Lidgewood than in, say, Cavalier. Yeah. Because two weeks in the spring, two weeks in the fall of mm-hmm. nicer weather. It's amazing. I, I, I tell people, you know, this part of the state, it's like Devil's Lake, Grand Forks, and Langdon form a Bermuda Triangle of a winter climate, you know, if you're anywhere nearer Munich around those is points. The, is the cold spot, yeah. <laughs> Munich or St. John, yeah, they, yeah, they often, yeah. I think, uh, set some of those perhaps records, things like that. Well, let's dive into our next uh, interview and our next topic about um, how to apply our belief in Christ and our beliefs in the gospel um, with regard to social teachings, particularly regarding the sanctity of human life. And to do that, we have an eminently qualified guest who is joining us in our Fargo studios, uh, Dr. Christopher DeCock. Uh, Doctor, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you for having me on the radio. Uh, can you give us a little bit of an introduction to you and, and how it is that you um, have taken up an interest in uh, the area of bioethics? Sure. So, by trade, I'm a child neurologist. And um, I was asked to be the physician chair for our bioethics committee, and I told them that I didn't have enough gray hair. Um, And so I figured I needed to get a little bit more education. Now, that said, I've been teaching bioethics to the medical students for, you know, some time. And um, I'm recently going to be finishing a master's program at University of Mary in bioethics. Um, So that's sort of how I got into it. Um, But our topic today is going to be related to the fact of the revision for the Uniform Determination of Death Act. And so... Uh, Truth is Stranger Than Fiction, a buddy of mine was at book club, and he's a commissioner for the Uniform Law Commission, and he asked me, he said, hey, Chris, what do you know about brain death? And so I started to tell him what I knew, and then I found out the more that I read, the more I didn't know. Uh Uh-huh. Well, go ahead and uh, expand on that in terms of, I I think a lot of us who were familiar with various, um, let's say, uh, crime procedurals and dramas, will will look at those things as from the law's perspective in terms of, uh, you know, brain death and and people's culpability, you know, in the medical community. But let's say that you have, you know, a relative or a loved one who finds themselves, you know, in in that situation. Uh, Go ahead and orient us a little bit to what to what it is that we're talking about here. Okay. So what I'm referring to as brain death is actually what is referred to as whole brain death. So this is in line with the Catholic Church, Church's teaching, specifically John Paul II specifically discussed that whole brain death was in line with the biophilosophical uh, concept of death. Now, to be clear, I'm not talking about two deaths. I'm talking about one death, but two ways to determine that death has occurred. And one of those ways, of course, is whole brain death, 
and the other is cardiopulmonary death. Indeed. Okay. And, and of course, this would be very important when, I mean, what's coming to me is like, you know, organ donation, things like this. This is where it's absolutely critical that we have an understanding of true death, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And actually, I like how you stated that, you know, we need to have certainty, you know. And, th and that's really where the problems have come up, is we, do no, we no longer have moral certitude that the criteria that we use for determining whole brain death actually determine whole brain death. Yeah, and, and uh, so, so uh, again, maybe bring us in, uh, our listeners who might not be tuned in to, what, like, you know, there might be people out there saying, well, what, what's the big deal? Isn't the person going to die anyway? Why, why is this important to know? Well, okay, so first of all, let's say someone's severely disabled, right? And they're on a ventilator, they're not going to come off the ventilator. As you know, taking someone off the ventilator is, you know, morally licit in many cases. And allowing, you know, natural course to occur is not problematic. However, when you're declaring someone dead who isn't actually dead and then harvesting their organs, in that harvesting of their organs, you're actually killing them. If you remember from The Princess Bride, Miracle Max said that there's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Mostly dead is slightly alive. And that's the problem. Yeah. And mostly dead, you, you go through their, or if they're all dead, you go through their pockets looking for loose change. You Absolutely. Know? Like the, okay, so um, actually, you know, humor aside on this, what, what, okay, from, from the, from the, Business end of things, why would, say, somebody who's interested in, in, in organ transplant, so why would they want, why would it be beneficial for them to change the definition of brain death? Why, why would they be pushing to change that? Or why, why is that, a, what, well, what well, are they after? Well, well let's, let, let's back off first and say what the problem is, okay? So we've said whole brain death is an acceptable method of death, right? So what is the problem? Well, originally when the Uniform Determination of Death Act was enacted in 1980, medicine and religion and logic were in sync. Our technology was not that good at helping to maintain these, you know, severely brain-injured patients. However, as technology has improved, there's been more and more cases of what's called chronic brain death. And, and this has really been a problem. And in fact, there was a President's uh, Council on Bioethics that met in 2008, um, and they published a white paper entitled Controversies in the Determination of Death. And interestingly enough, in that, Dr. Edmund Pellegrino, who was the chair of the President's Council on Bioethics, yeah, great in bioethics, said, look, in cases of uncertainty, we need to bend over backwards in favor of life. So if we're not certain, if we don't have moral certitude, we need to back off. And the problem that's arisen is that it's clear that the current medical criteria for the determination of death are inadequate. They don't actually test for whole brain death. They test for partial brain death. 
And the problem is when you test for partial brain death, not whole brain death, these patients are slightly alive. There's been cases of them going through pregnancy. Very classic case, Jahai McNath. She was declared brain dead by the criteria in California. Family did not accept that. They moved to New Jersey where there is an opt-out and she continued to live and go through puberty for four years. There's also documented cases of people gestating pregnancies, you know, during pregnancy, taking children to term, you know. And the problem is, it's really hard for me to believe that someone who's gestating a pregnancy is actually dead. And that's what the current clinical criteria are telling us. And unfortunately, the major medical organizations are saying that the part of the brain that tests for that, the hypothalamus, is unimportant. And you can gestate pregnancies and still be dead. So, so in it, uh, um, again, so we might be, listeners might be confused. Well, why, why would we want to push this? Why wouldn't we just want to be careful and make sure the person's dead? Like, well, for example, if I'm an well, organ we, trend right. donor, why, why would I be interested in, in changing the definition? Well, you wouldn't be interested in changing the definition because the definition of death is correct. Whole brain death is biophilosophically correct. It's in line with the Catholic Church's teaching. However, there is a push to change from whole brain death to, like I said, partial brain death. And that's something that we really can't allow. So if you'll allow, I can actually read the proposal, or actually first I'll read the original Uniform Determination of Death Act and then read the proposal. You bet. So, so the original Uniform Determination of Death Act says, an individual who sustained either irreversible cessation of circulatory and respiratory functions or irreversible cessation of all functions of the entire brain, including the brain stem, is dead. A determination of death must be made in accordance with accepted medical standards. So that's fine. That's in line with Catholic Church teaching that respects the intrinsic human dignity of the, you know, the human person, and that's a statement with moral certitude. Now, right now, the clinical criteria are in violation of the law, because the law says that the whole brain has to be dead. And so the new proposal is an individual who has sustained either permanent cessation of circulatory and respiratory functions or permanent coma, permanent cessation of spontaneous respiratory functions, and permanent loss of brainstem reflexes is dead. A determination of death must be made in accordance with accepted medical standards. So they're purposely leaving out parts of the brain so that those chronic brain-dead patients are now legally dead as well as medically dead. And we're talking about the, um, uh, the, the, the um, advantages of, of certain people and wanting, um, wanting to expand this beyond where, um, you know, where, where the church says it, it is suitable. So um, one of the things that we're going to be looking at here um, after we come back from this break is we're going to try to you know, spread the net out a little bit uh, with your um, uh, expertise, doctor, in, in uh, bioethics and, and look at some of the ramifications in society, in culture, you know, if there's a, um, a cheapening, a, a disregard for, um, you know, the nature of life and uh, uh, what we need to be vigilant about. So we are in this conversation, a fascinating uh, bioethics conversation with Dr. Christopher DeCock, and we will resume at the other end of this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence 
Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father Jason Leffer joining me, Father James Gross, priest of the Diocese of Fargo, and we are joined in our Fargo studio by Doc, Dr. Christopher DeCock, who, um, full disclosure, uh, was a, a parishioner and, and is a parishioner at St. Anthony of Padua in Fargo, where I had the distinct privilege of serving as a parochial vicar uh, a number of years ago and got to meet uh, him and his uh, lovely uh, family and extended family as well. So, um, it's uh, it's great to be able to reconnect with you here on the air uh, on the air, Doctor. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you are missed. Oh well, that's very kind of you. Well, it's been uh, yeah, it's been it'll be six years this summer since I uh, moved up to Grand Forks, but uh, I very much treasure treasure my time there. So we've been setting uh, the stage with regard to these um, various definitions and what uh, the church holds uh, holds to for uh, uh, brain death. Um, can you uh, kind of? bring the conversation forward here doctor in terms of um the important uh, the important decisions that are that are currently needing to be made sure and and don't worry i'll get to the the why later sure um but right off the bat so as i said whole brain death is biophilosophically sound it's in line with the catholic church's teaching um, and i had mentioned the original uniform determination of death act from 1980 to be clear, that act has been enacted by all 50 states to one degree or another. And it was supported by the American Medical Association as well as the American Bar Association at that time. And the reason it had such you know, profound impact is that medicine and reality were in sync. Like I said, in the past, you know, before our advances in medical technology, when the brain was felt to be dead by the criteria that we have now, the body quickly disintegrated. And so that we knew that the brain was vital to life. It was vital to integrating life. And when the brain died, the whole brain died, disintegration would occur. And it was these cases of chronic brain death that started coming about that really, you know, questioned, you know, the medical criteria. Now, again, the original Uniform Determination of Death Act and the notion of whole brain death is sound, but the current clinical criteria have not kept up with technology. Now, some people will say, well, since you have these chronic brain dead people, uh, whole brain death must not exist. We must have just made it up. In fact, that's one of the arguments for the changing of the definition of death. But that's not true, because we haven't actually been testing for whole brain death. So we can't say that whole brain death doesn't exist, and that when someone's whole brain dies, they do not disintegrate, because no one's actually testing for whole brain death. So what's going on now, and the reason why I asked if I could come on the air, is this new proposal. And I read the new proposal prior to the break. This is going to be proposed to the Uniform Law Commission's annual meeting in Hawaii with all the, all the commissioners at large. Now, the reason I know this is I'm actually an observer for the drafting committee for the revision of the Uniform Determination of Death Act. And we've gotten some good changes you know, brought about, like an opt-in and stuff like that. Uh, unfortunately, there are bad things that go along with it. Now, the importance of this change is that the original Uniform Determination of Death Act is based on an objective reality of death. 
And if we change to a partial brain death, some people call it the neurorespiratory criteria, some people call it a higher brain criteria. Be that as it may, it is a subjective definition of death. And it's basically a definition of death that committees and medical organizations think is appropriate. Now, both you and I know that there's supposed to be two absolutes in life, death and taxes. Unfortunately, if this proposal goes through, the only thing we can rely on is taxes. Heaven help us all. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like I said, medicine is not in, law, in line with the law. And so this proposal is seeking to change the law, change the definition of death to meet the current medical practice. And it's got a lot of support. And remember, with this change, we already don't have reasonable certainty. We do not have moral certainty. And so rather than being more certain, they want to gerrymander the definition to meet the inadequate clinical criteria. So that would be like me as a neurologist saying, hey, I've got this test for multiple sclerosis. Now, it's not a very good test, and um, rather than, so if it's inadequate in doing its job, rather than improving the specificity and sensitivity of the test, I'm actually going to just change the definition of multiple sclerosis to make my test work. That's completely asinine and wrong-headed. And, and that's what's being pushed. Now, like I said before, you're either dead or you're alive. If you're mostly dead, you're slightly alive. And so we have to be abundantly clear of what's going on, that people are trying to change this definition. Now, you guys had hinted you know, that, you know, could this have something to do with organ donation? Now, I want to be clear about organ donation. If your whole brain is actually dead, there's nothing wrong with donating your organs. Mm -hmm. John Paul II said that organ donation is a good thing. It is a gift. But if you're not actually dead, when they harvest your organs, they kill you. Right. Now, there's a big difference between allowing someone to die and killing them. And let's be clear, we've, you talked about this in the last hour, about the intrinsic human dignity of the human person. If we're taking these vulnerable patients and boiling them down to what we can get out of them, then we've gone a drastic step in the wrong direction. Absolutely. Um, now, I'm just curious, uh, maybe this is um, uh, looking a little bit uh, uh, too far ahead, but um, uh, what we're talking about here primarily is with regard to uh, the considerations in the medical community. Uh, when it comes to, let's say, state legislatures and or, you know, like uh, action that Congress may be taking, is there anything that um, you folks in the bioethics world are, are asking people to kind of concentrate on? Like, what would the what would the consequences be in terms of what, um, uh, you know, elected representatives? Representatives would be pressured mm -hmm. to do, or you know, well, might okay. Want to so do. let me tell you about how this whole process works, because that'll clarify things a bunch. Right. So the Uniform Law Commission does not make laws. What they do is they come up with model laws that they think could be enacted uniformity or uniformly across all the states. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening 
is that they're seeking to change a law that's been enacted in all the states. So they're revising it. And this summer, in July, they're going to bring it to the committee at large to see, hey, can we go ahead with this? Now, we've still got another year to work through this problem. Now, I want to kill this now. I don't want this to be approved by the committee at large, by the majority of the commissioners for the Uniform Law Commission, and have it keep going. Now, God forbid, if we're unsuccessful, if people are not aware, if people are not talking to their commissioners, talking to their lawmakers, saying, no, we don't need to do this, then it could potentially be, you know, enacted by, you know, approved by the Uniform Law Commission, and then it would be presented to all the states, and the states could either accept or deny it. And so even if it gets to that point, then we're going to have to deal with that. And, and I hope that in North Dakota we'd have enough common sense to not allow doctors and lawyers to subjectively determine when someone is dead. But again, the goal is to kill it now. We kill it now. We force them to accept the appropriate definition of death, of brain death, which is whole brain death, and we don't allow it to get to the next state. So the biggest thing is people need to know that this is going on. I mean, no one's heard of this. You know, right. people think I'm crazy. They're like, no, that can't actually be happening. No, it actually is happening. And unfortunately, I have firsthand experience because I was in Washington, D.C. for the last meeting and Tucson, the meeting before. I've been intimately involved with this process. Now, what can we do? Well, we can go, first of all, with every state has commissioners. We talk to our commissioners. We talk to our lawmakers. We talk to our neighbors. We let them know that this is happening. We let them know that there is a serious human rights issue trying to be swept under the rug, you know, for whatever reasons. And we'll talk about those reasons, of course, after the break. But, you know, awareness is the number one thing. And, you know, we're partnering with many organizations such as the USCCB, the Catholic Medical Association, the National Catholic Bioethics Center, trying to get, you know, get the, get the soil ready, right? We need to get people aware. Because guess what? If we're not aware that this is happening, then it's going to happen and we're not even going to know it. And I think there are a lot of, uh, you know, people of goodwill, uh, Catholics included, who uh, feel as though so often we are reactive that we're just trying to catch up to things, whereas uh, this gives us an opportunity to be proactive um, in prayer and in advocacy and in, in conversations uh, with people. So mm -hmm. um, uh, we're going to have to wrap things up in just a moment here uh, because of our schedule, but uh, any, um, just a any final kind of parting words that you want to offer to us here, Doc, before uh, we finish the segment? Oh, you're only giving me a half hour? Unfortunately, yes. Oh, yeah. You didn't tell me that. I got an hour worth of answers for you. <laughs> so, okay, so let's be clear. So why are people doing this? Well, I don't know why. But to me, it's because people have forgotten that the body matters. There's this dualist understanding that the brain is the only thing that matters, and that if if you're never going to wake up again, you don't matter. But I would like to leave you with a riddle that uh, Abraham Lincoln was fond of. And it goes like this. If you call a dog's tail a leg, 
how many legs does a dog have? Well, a lot of people will reflectively say, well, they got five legs. No, they have four. They have four legs and a tail. And so if people are legally telling us that people are dead who are not dead, that doesn't change objective reality. Medicine must be based in objective reality. Otherwise, I mean, what are we basing our clinical decisions on? And to me, it's shocking how people don't care about these very vulnerable patients. Right. You know, it's inconceivable why we would want to be less certain about whether or not someone is dead before we harvest their organs. And to be clear, with some residual hypothalamic function, you can feel what's happening as they're removing your organs. So this is a human rights issue. We need to know about it, and we need to act. Very good. Christopher, uh, Dr. Christopher DeCock, thank you so much for taking time to enlighten us on these important topics, and uh, uh, blessings to you and your work. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, on the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about a great uh, retreat opportunity happening for many of us in our listening area. You're listening to Real